Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Pastor Chet shared with us from the fourth chapter of the book of Colossians, so if you'd stick your finger back in that passage of scripture, I want to speak to you about transitions. Now, we use this word in our culture frequently, often, and in varied ways, and it has come to have some negative connotations, but as far as the Lord is concerned, transitions are not only a good thing, they're a necessary thing. Because we don't live in stasis. The world around us is always changing. In fact, we are always changing day to day into the image of him who saved us. Amen? Isn't that what your life in Christ is actually about? You're being transformed into the image of the glorious king. So your life as a believer is actually a life of transition. And so tonight I want to speak to you about transitions for the new years. We say goodbye to 2020. I think many of us are pretty happy to say goodbye to 2020, though not all of us. You know, I was talking to some people, well, you know, I, we had a marriage or we had, you know, there's lots of things that happened in 2021 that are good and there are things in 2022. So it's not, we're always just saying, you know, goodbye, good riddance, but we are also saying hello to the potential in the new year. What does God want to do with us as a church? We find some secrets here in this fourth chapter that Paul writes to the church at Colossae. He's telling us that he's imprisoned. He's in chains for the cause of the gospel. Paul has dedicated his life to the main thing. The main thing for the church is preaching the gospel and teaching them all things as I have taught you. That's the Great Commission. Sometimes we confuse the Great Commission with with just simply preaching the gospel. While that is the main thing, you need to preach the gospel first. The rest of it is, there's a whole lot for us to learn, and there's a whole lot for God to change in our lives. We're about transition as a people in Christ. And so what are some of these secrets as we look forward to this new year. Paul said, continue earnestly in prayer. Continue earnestly in prayer. Can I tell you that a pretty good chunk of the church not only doesn't continue earnestly in prayer, they pray pretty much only when they get in trouble. They seek the face of the Lord when something's wrong, when they need something. They almost treat God in their prayer life as if the only time you go to him is when there is a deficiency and you need it corrected. God wants us in this new year, he wants you every year, but specifically into the new year to begin to pray earnestly. We have to commit to this secret of effective prayer life and ministry. Without prayer, we're going nowhere, church. We're not going anywhere personally, and we're not going anywhere corporately unless we pray for those changes to occur. I think sometimes we almost resign ourselves to some form of Christian fatalism. 
And, and I see this all the time. So, well, you know, God's sovereign. That's true. God is sovereign. But God has also given us a place in his sovereign plan where we speak to him about those things in our lives which we desire to see happen according to his will. And so whether you believe it or not, your prayers matter. And so as we look forward to this new year, let's begin with our first point here. Our praying must be faithful. Church, our prayers need to be faithful prayers. They they need to be focused prayers. We have to be in constant fellowship with God. You know, sometimes we reduce our prayer life to, you know, it's we, we all have seen photos, we all have seen pictures, we've seen art, we've seen statuary to where there's somebody with folded hands and it looks something like this. Can I tell you you don't have to do that to pray? Can I tell you you don't have to be on your knees to pray? While it is a good thing to be on your knees, it's a good thing to have your heart postured towards the king of heaven. It's absolutely unnecessary for your prayers to be effective, for you to be in a certain position. But what they do need to be is constant. I need to be talking to God all the time. I need his input in my life, and I want to hear what he has to say. And if I will do that, it develops a fellowship of prayer. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't supplicate. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be on bended knee. I'm not saying there aren't times when a very intense time of prayer and fasting aren't necessary. Those things are also true. But I think where we miss it most often is that we're not in communal fellowship with the King of Heaven through an open line of communication called prayer. We reduce it to a few minutes a day, or to one place a day, or or to a certain time, or to a certain posture, and consequently, we are missing out speaking to God the whole rest of the day. And so let's purpose in this new year as we transition to take what is the greatest use of the gift of human thought, and language, and speech, and communication, to be speaking to God. We need his input. I need to know what God wants for my life. Because if I don't know what he wants for my life, I can guarantee you I will not know what he wants for your life. I need to start with my own prayer life. Even though Paul was an apostle, you heard Pastor Chad ask for it. I'm going to echo that. Please pray for your pastors. Pray for those of us that are in leadership. If you don't have anything else to pray about, you have enough praying for us. Because we need it. Badly. Amen? Please. You see, what I see very often is that people are almost as if God's simply going to do whatever he wants to do. And while it's true God is sovereign, while it's true he has a plan, and while it's true ultimately He's in charge of all things. How many things do you take the long road home because you have not asked God to help you get there the short way? How many things do you have that are hard because you haven't asked him to make it easy? How many things do you have in your life that are painful because you haven't asked him to bless your life? 
How many things cost you everything because you haven't asked him to give you abundantly? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's on you. That's on us. And we need to be faithful in seeking the face of the Lord in this new year. As I've shared with you so many times, and it is worth repeating, from a purely biblical perspective, there are only three answers in Scripture. There are only three ways that God effectively answers our prayer. He answers affirmatively. He says yes. He just answers directly, and maybe that comes in an instantaneous response. Something happens. He definitely answers no. Amen? Anybody been told no by God? Oh, hallelujah for those no's. Sometimes I think the no's are more important than the yeses sometimes. But how many times do we get the third answer? It's wait. I'm not ready to do that yet, Jeff. There are other things that have to happen. We have grown up in our specific way of life in a Western culture so impatient that we refuse to wait for anything. We can't wait for food. We can't wait for groceries. We can't. It's like, have you ever, did anybody go into like Costco during Christmas season? Do you see anybody waiting in there? There was no way. There were people running over each other. There were people with carts that could not be pushed by human beings. It's like we don't wait well. We're we're prone to just kind of act as best as we know how. That is fatal in the life of a believer. Because very often you are going to encounter problems that are actually brought into your life by failing to wait on the Lord to give you an answer. Now, sometimes you can be behind God's plan. That is also true. But for the most part, you'll make very few mistakes by simply saying, Lord, I don't know that I've heard. I'm going to have some patience, and I'm going to wait for you to speak. And if you're constantly in fellowship, then you hear those subtle things from the Lord. As we transition into the new year, let's be waiting on the Lord for his answers. Let's be taking time in our prayer life, to say, Lord, I really need you to speak to me. I haven't heard yes, I haven't heard no, but your servant hears, and please speak. A second thing is our praying, notice it, should be watchful. Notice how this third verse actually begins to, to kind of get this point across to us. We have to be vigilant in verse 2 with thanksgiving, praying also for us. It, it, is, it is important for us to be watchful because things are happening around us constantly. Sometimes I have to adjust my prayer. Anybody figured out that when you were born, you, didn't, you weren't born knowing everything you need to know? Isn't it amazing how absolutely brilliant your parents look when you get to be about 65? You're here and you're that old? It's like all of a sudden, man, my parents really knew a lot. Why is that? It's time. Time goes by. You you see those things happen. and, And I have watched enough history to know that those things are true. God has seen the human existence, its history, from beginning to end. He already knows how the story ends. Amen? Do you think he knows some things you don't know? So what he's asking for us to do is to join him in being watchful. 
to look at the world around us and to make our prayer lives appropriate for the things that are happening today. To be alert, to be awake, to watch, to pray. It's like Nehemiah's prayer. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God during Nehemiah 4. Day and night, we set watch against the enemy. We were watching for what the devil was going to do. I think a lot of the church has been lulled to sleep. The church has been paying attention to the news. The church has been watching all kinds of things on COVID. I mean, I think there isn't a person in here that doesn't know, you know, we had the Delta variant, we had the Omicron variant, and we're going to have some other variant next week. We know everything about COVID, but do we know what's going on in our world as it pertains to Scripture? Are we watching the right things? Are we asking God the right questions? You see, if I'm really watchful, if my prayers are focused in that sense, if I've been paying attention, then there's going to be fire to my prayer. It's like I'm going to see what's going on going, I need to pray about that. That's what puts fire to the altar, to be honest. Otherwise, my prayers are just kind of, you know, mumbling to the Lord. Sometimes that's okay, by the way. The Holy Spirit actually helps us to pray when we don't know what to pray for. But we need to have absolutely watchful prayers. It's going to take spiritual energy. It's going to cause us to look at the things that are going on in our lives and say, look, I need to take this to the Lord. As we enter the new year, as we transition As we begin to look at what lies ahead, we need to keep our eyes out. Because God has plans, and the devil has plans too. And we need to know the difference between the two. Otherwise, we fall into that trap. A third thing that we see in this passage, you can see it there in verse 2. We're to watch with thanksgiving. Isn't it weird how we only thank God for things that we think are circumstantially good? Those of us that have walked with the Lord for a long time can tell you that we're often more thankful for the things that God didn't do than the things that God did do. The time when he kept us out of harm's way, the things that he didn't allow us to get involved in or accomplish, that maybe in that moment we felt like, you know, hey, I really want to do this particular thing. I want to have this kind of career or live in this particular neighborhood. Or maybe for some of you, I want to marry that person. Oh, in Jesus' name, being thankful for every answered prayer, including the no's. Including the things that God didn't answer your prayer the way you wanted him to. Are you thankful tonight? Are you thankful tonight, church? Because you need to be thankful. You know, sometimes we, we just, uh, well, I'm going to thank him if he makes me rich, or I'm going to thank him if he gives me a new car, I'm going to thank him if I get a new job, or if I get this degree, or if I do these things, or I marry this person, then I'll thank the Lord. But how about thanking him that he didn't allow you to marry that person, or he didn't allow you to get that job? Or he did not allow you to have the wealth you thought you needed because he knew that that would destroy you. 
You see, thankfulness doesn't come out of circumstances. Thankfulness comes out of your heart towards God. It's born in who you are in Christ. It is not circumstantial. Happiness is circumstantial. I run around all giddy. It's like, oh, God gave me this. Which are, that's okay. But thankfulness is something that's in your heart because of who God is. He's worthy of our thankfulness all day, every day. As we transition into a new year, into new things, we need to take a heart of thankfulness because if you don't, when God moves your cheese, you're not going to be thankful. When God changes something that you personally don't want him to change, you won't be thankful. When something happens that's your personal desire and design, that thing that you think should be a certain way, and it isn't that way anymore, if you are not thankful to God for who he is, then you will be unthankful for what he's done. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what he did may well be exactly what you need to experience. Here's another one for you. You're not the center of the universe. So maybe God's doing something that's not even concerning you. He's doing it for others, and he's asking you to be thankful even though it negatively affects you. Ouch. We have to have thankful hearts, church. Because God takes loved ones. Sometimes we lose homes. Bad things happen to good people. It's been the history of humankind since day one. We're not exempt. Don't let your thankfulness be attached to simply things that are circumstantially good. Be thankful in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, the Apostle Paul said. A fourth thing, we need to be focused. As we transition into a new year, our prayers should be focused prayers. Notice it says, praying for us also, there in verse 3. That's a very specific person. It's the Apostle Paul and those that are with him. But it's also for those who are ministering to you, ministering with you, ministering in faraway countries. They may not even be people that you're totally familiar with. The purpose of these words is to cause us to focus. Sometimes I pray so generally. Anybody, look, let's face it. Sometimes when you, you're sitting down at the dinner table, it's like, thank you, Lord, that this isn't going to kill me. You know, praise God, I, I love kale. You know, we, 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 can play, we can pray some things, and sometimes it's like, okay, well, that wasn't all that focused. And I'm not trying to get you depressed about your prayer life, but if you're going to see the very best things in your life, as far as God's concerned, if you want to move into a new year with a new vision for what God's going to do, then you need to get focused, and so do I. I say these things for us. How much better would our lives be if we prayed specifically? You know, sometimes it's like, well, Lord, I hope I don't die today. Well, that's nice. 
I hope my kids are, don't get sick. That's good too. But let's drill down a little bit in our prayer lives. Lest we become so general in the way that we pray that we really aren't actually telling God anything. It's like, Lord, what do you, what do you want from me? How do you want me to live my life today? Your life is not your own. You know that, right? It actually belongs to God. It's purchased with the blood of Christ. It's his. You are no longer your own. The Bible is very clear on this. Have you asked God what he wants to do with you? You see this whole concept that's being bantered about in Christendom right now? My body is my own. Did you know that that's heresy? That is heresy. Your body is not only not your own, it actually belongs to the Lord. The Bible is very clear on that. So if you're here and you're, you're bantering that back and forth with people, you need to lose that statement because it's not true. As a Christian, your body is supposed to be a living sacrifice to Christ. Over and over and over and over again, once you give your life to Jesus, your body belongs to him. He tells you what to do with it. Have you asked him what he wants to do with it? Have you asked him what he wants from your mind, from your gifts, from the things that you possess and have stewardship over? Because not one bit of it actually belongs to you any longer. It's all his. You're just a steward of it. So get really focused. Because that stuff is all God's. You are God's. Your things are God's. Lord, what do you want to do? Robert Trench, who lived in 1807, actually died in 1886. He's actually the Archbishop of Dublin. He said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but it's laying hold of his willingness. God's not reluctant to speak to you. He's not reluctant to do things with you and for you and through you. But he does want his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, not yours. Have you asked him what that is? So it says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert with thanksgiving. Focusing our energy and our efforts. As we transition into the new year, are you going to take time and are you going to be tenacious? Because really seeking what God wants as we transition into a new year is going to take time and it's going to take tenacity. Anybody gotten tired of praying for usually someone in your life? Let me see your hands. My hand's up. I was telling you, I've gotten tired of praying for people. Specifically, people when they come into my office and they ask me, "Well, you know, I got this problem," and I give them counsel, and I sh- here's what the word says, and you give them this basic instruction. Okay, I've told you what it says. You now need to go be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Don't deceive yourself. And they go away, and they come back the next week. Well, you know, and you ask them, "Well, well did you do it?" No. Nope. Well, what did you think was going to happen? And you send them out again. It's like, oh, well, let's pray. Let's pray again. Let's ask the Lord to give you victory. You do that. 
After about the 50th time, you're like, Lord, could maybe they need to have a broken leg or something. It's like, so you keep going to the same place. Could you like give them a car wreck or something? You know, you, you start praying some kind of really specific prayers. Oh, you get tired, right? It takes time. It takes tenacity. And guess what? If you were to review your own life, you better be really thankful that people were tenacious and took time to pray for you because you're probably blowing it in some area yourself. Some saint that has just taken it upon themselves to just pray you home. They've been lifting you up since you were little. Are you going to take time? You see, what that expresses is faith in God. Someone who says, well, I prayed last week and stops praying is saying, basically, God is done after a week. He's got nothing left to do in the entire world. He didn't take care of that situation, so it's not worth the time and the effort The time and the tenacity go out the window because you think that because you didn't get the answer you wanted, God doesn't care. Maybe God's stretching your faith. In this new year, as we transition, as we move into new things, you're going to need to take time and you're going to need to be tenacious. Your faith shouldn't die. When answers come very slowly, or when they don't come at all. Anybody, don't raise your hand on this one, because you're going to see something you don't want to see. I think all of us have unanswered prayers still left in our life, amen? I have some whoppers. Some things that I've prayed for for a very, very, very long time. Matter of fact, I've lived long enough to actually see the very horror that I hope would not happen, happen in my own parents' life. I've lived long enough to see that. Prayed for decades to watch the gospel rejected time and time and time and time and time again. Be real easy to lose hearts. Like, Lord, why? I won't know till I get home. You want to know the real truth? I won't know if the Lord answered those prayers exactly as I thought until I get home. Don't give up before God does. Because you don't know what he does. In those last seconds of someone's life, you don't know what he's doing in the quietness of their heart. You have no idea. Your job is not to know. Your job is to pray. Amen? Pray first, pray often, folks. And keep praying. Notice that as you think on these things, there's almost an irony at work here. When we think about change in our life, from a Christian's perspective. I'm speaking to you tonight who have walked with the Lord for a while. I think most of you will say yes and amen to this. 
Isn't there an insane irony? And by insane, I mean we can't comprehend it. An irony that is almost beyond our knowing, beyond our fathoming, that when we pray for patience, God sends tribulation. Amen? Anybody experience that? Or a test? Maybe just me. We pray for submission, and God sends suffering. Think about it. We pray for unselfishness, and God sends us opportunities to serve. We pray for victory, and the next thing that happens is some horrible defeat. We pray for strength, humility to be strong the right way. And just like the Apostle Paul experienced, a messenger of Satan is sent to buffet us. We pray for unity with Christ. And it seems like we're the only one that's unified with Christ. It's like everybody else has got a different opinion. People misunderstand. They seem indifferent. You pray for love. Here it comes. And God sends you unloving people. Right? Right, church? If you're looking for God to do new things, do not exclude the ways you don't like. Because it's very likely that God is going to send you the antithesis of what you ask for in those areas where you're asking for things like humility, a servant's heart. He's going to test to see whether you can be trusted with a victory by allowing a defeat. He's going to see that you have to submit to someone else before you're put in leadership. As we look at a new year and new things, don't stick God in a box because he works in some of the most unusual ways. And those unusual ways are very often the most effective ways. Pray for us too, Paul says in verse 3, that God might open a door. Are, are you looking for the open doors in this new year. Now for some of you an open door may be something very simple. It might be somebody at work that you're supposed to share the gospel with. It may be somebody you just need to invite to church. It might be a friend on your block. It may be a neighbor. It may be one of your own children. It could be some of, someone in your own family. It's an open door in this context for the gospel. A place where you can share the good news of Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. You see, that could be the open door, but there are so many other open doors. How about the open door of service? Maybe God's calling some of you to come to one service and do, here it comes. Children's ministry, the next one. 
That's an open door. You know what's going to happen? You're going to get tested. You're going to find out whether you're actually ready to be humbled when a four-year-old knows more about the Bible than you do. (laughs) Oops. Are you looking for open doors? Or are you looking to be on top? You see, an open door very often is a door that leads to some place that's not glorious. Matter of fact, an open door may mean obscurity. An open door may mean that person that's a shut-in that you just take meals to. Maybe it's some homeless person But you get to minister to. There's a lot of open doors, but there are very few who actually walk through them. We need to be looking for open doors, church. Unfortunately, an awful lot of people come to church believing the only open door they're looking for is the one to the church. And that's a good open door. But there are a lot of other open doors, and he's probably going to ask you to go through some of them. Look for those open doors. And in doing so, you have to determine for yourself which doors you should not go through. Those are pretty easy to determine, generally speaking, because they're doors that lead to sin. Things that shouldn't be in our lives. We need to keep a clear view of what our purpose is. If I'm going to give out the mystery of Christ, I need to be Christ-like. I'm going to tell people the truth about Jesus. I certainly don't want to stain his name. Jesus wants to walk through those open doors with us. But he shouldn't get blamed for who we are when we walk through. I've had the opportunity to go to a number of functions with high-ranking government officials. And, you know, one of the things that is always interesting about those events is some people, I guess, don't realize that they're going to see, you know, a senator or maybe the president of the United States or the governor of the state or whatever. And they just kind of show up like they're, they're, you know, going to Starbucks or something. We're representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as we walk through every door. We ought to be on our best behavior. We ought to take time to make sure that we're representing him well when we walk through that door. You know, I don't want to have a big mustard stain from a Dodger dog down the middle of my shirt, metaphorically speaking. Say, oh yeah. I do believe that Jesus is a Dodger fan, but personally... (laughs) All right, East Coast, you can have the Yankees. We want to represent the king well, don't we? We want him to be proud of us. They go, that's my daughter, that's my son, that's my child. That's the kind of transition that's meaningful. When we are so aware of who the king is that no matter what door we go through, we're ready. That's a wonderful thing. Because you know what? Some of those doors are going to come up on you really quick. 
And they're only going to be open for that moment in time. It may be one person for a few minutes. And God wants you to walk through that door. Are you ready at all times? Notice verse 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. What does that word mean? It means those who are outside of the faith. Those who don't know the Lord. People who are unbelievers. People who desperately need to know who we represent and why we represent him. We're to be wise because the world is watching. One of the things, and I've talked to an awful lot of pastors about this, one of the things that I think the church has missed as an opportunity is the way we've handled ourselves during this time of pandemic. A lot of things have been turned into thus says the Lord when they're not thus says the Lord. And consequently, people don't want anything to do with Jesus because of the way Christians have portrayed him. That should never be the case. Leave Christ the king. Let everything else be what it is, but leave Jesus the king. Leave him the one and the only way. We don't want people to misunderstand how much the Lord loves them. I don't want God to get blamed for my political bent. I don't want God to get blamed for the things that I say every Christian should be. What the Bible says every Christian should be is in Christ. Spotless, blameless before a holy God. It doesn't say I should be a conservative. Hear me very well here. It doesn't say I should be a conservative. It doesn't say I should be an American. Those things are great. They're wonderful. For me personally, I'm super thankful. Wouldn't have it any other way. No other country I want to live in. But that's not what the Bible says we should be. The Bible says we should represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords first. Amen? First. Everything else takes second, third, fourth position. So when we confuse people about who Jesus is, we are doing a disservice to the gospel. That's why it's so important that the church not get caught up in meaningless, trivial things about which men debate. When you're talking to people about Jesus, make sure that they are not confused about who Jesus is. Because Jesus is the God of anyone who will believe. Amen? No matter what the rest of their life looks like. Every tribe and tongue and nation... Every people group on the planet, God is for you. He's not against you. The church has made Jesus look like he's just simply against a whole bunch of things. No, he's for everyone. 
He desires that all be saved and come to the knowledge of repentance. And he's working out that plan through us to reach people with the gospel. So as we transition, I would ask you, leave some of that stuff in 2021. Just leave it parked back there. And let's move forward with the actual truth of the gospel into, the, into 2022. Let's get back on mission in that regard and take full advantage of winning other people to Christ. No matter what their political bent is. This particular pastor spent time behind the Iron Curtain when it's still the Soviet Union. Those people needed Jesus and they didn't have him. There are people in your neighborhood who need Jesus and they don't have him. And if you make it about anything else other than Jesus, they're going to find a reason to not fall in love with Jesus. Transition sometimes means to be a little salty. Let your speech be gracious. I love that part. Amen? Be gracious. Grace-filled, verse 6 says. Seasoned with salt. It's another word for truth, really, in a biblical sense. Salt was a preservative. It caused rot and decay to be forestalled. It's the reason... Some of you may know this, some of you don't. Some of the wealthiest people in Central Europe from the Bronze Age all the way until the Iron Age were not people who had gold, they were people who had salt. In fact, there's a whole culture called the Hallstatt culture centered in Austria. And all those people did was mine salt. Why? Because you could keep your fish, You could keep your beef, you could keep your pork, anything that you had, it could be preserved and you could keep it because nobody had a frigid air. For Christians, our speech is supposed to be a preservative. It's supposed to be so filled with grace that when people hear it, They desire it. They want to receive what you have to say. And what you say will preserve them. It will preserve them. Against what? The decay of this world. The rot of the enemy. What the devil wants to do to every last living, breathing person on this planet It's also true that salt flavors our food. Amen? I, I don't know about you, but there are a few things without salt on them. You might as well use them for wall paste. It's a, it's a spice. It's bringing Christ into that situation. It's bringing truth into that situation. It's a parallel passage here in Ephesians 4 that you can look at. Causing our our speech to speak into someone's life to where they will be preserved.
Man, we've got a culture right now that does exactly the opposite on a very regular basis. It's like our whole culture is built around what can I say to tear someone apart, to tear them down. It's no longer about being salt of the earth. It's about seeing who I can destroy. When Christ wants to preserve. As we transition, as we see the Lord do new things in this coming year, we need to be what God's called us to be. And that's gracious and a little bit salty. There are three things that I want to leave with you, and then I'm going to invite Pastor Chet and the worship team to come up. A couple of steps. Let's make sure that we're adding the sweetness of Jesus to every conversation. Let's make sure we're adding the sweetness of Jesus to every conversation. Mark this new year as the beginning. I refuse to say something that does not express the sweetness of Jesus to whomever I say it to. That's one. That would be enough. Number two, let's make sure that we interject Jesus into every conversation. Somehow, squeeze Jesus into every conversation. Seasoned with truth, salt, preservative. Get him into the conversation. And a third thing. Let's put the spirit of Christ in every conversation that you may know how to answer every man. So three simple things. The sweetness, the seasoning, and the spirit of Jesus into every conversation that we have in 2022. Because if we do that, the things that we endeavor to do are going to be flavored with Jesus They're going to be sweet like Jesus, and they're going to be moved with the Spirit of God, which is the Spirit of the living Christ. That will make us successful. Whatever we endeavor to do, that will make us successful. Why? Because that's actually what God wants us to do, that's who He is. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he didn't say, God, crush them because they know exactly what they're doing. He said, God, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. That's the sweetness of Jesus, isn't it? Because the truth was, some of them did know what they were doing. But how did Jesus express it? I love them more than that. Forgive them. When the centurion looked up at Jesus, surely this man. It was so evident as the Son of God. Church, we have work to do in 2022. Matter of fact, I think we have some recovering to do in 2022. I think we may have lost a little ground and we need to get it back. The devil's had too much fun at our expense. 
Frankly, I'd like to see a few of his teeth kicked out. Just saying. That's not a challenge, by the way. That's just simply to say, greater is he who's in us than he who's in this world. Amen? So my challenge to you, let's put the sweetness of Jesus. Let's put the spice of Jesus. And let's put the spirit of Jesus into absolutely everything that we do in 2022. Pastor Chet's going to come up. Alex and the worship team are going to come back out. And we are going to spend some time at the Lord's table. While Chet's coming up, start seeking the Lord. Those three things. Lord, where can I be sweeter? Lord, where can I interject you into the conversation? Lord, let your spirit reign in my life. There are two words of advice, counsel, that the Lord gave the disciples as they were entering into their new season of faith, their new year of faith. It was going to be different. Jesus was no longer going to physically be there to defend them. Three times he had told them that he was going to go to Jerusalem and be crucified but he was their safety and their security. And so three times they just let it pass right over their heads. Matthew was probably vying for the minister of finance while Peter, James, and John were fighting over who would be the first, sitting at the right or the left. And in all of their humanity, he knew exactly what they needed in order for them to enter into their new year of faith. And it's two words that the church has been commemorating for the last 2,000 years. And you know them. Remember me. His greatest counsel to them going into their new year of faith was, remember me. You're going to need to remember me when you mess up. Because I love you. And I know you're not perfect. And I know that as some of us look back, including myself, at 2021, there are some imperfect things that I've done. He said, remember me. I know there's some relationships that are broken and they need to be mended. And he says, remember me. Remember the spirit of who I am. Remember when John wanted to burn all the Samaritans up and he said, you don't know what spirit I am. And by the way, John, I'm going to send you back in just a few months to save all of them. You can't burn them up. He says, remember me. And so before we take in communion, why don't we put into practice exactly what Pastor Jeff was speaking about in Colossians. Why don't we, for just a minute, continue earnestly in prayer? It's why you're here in this service as you want to commit this upcoming year to the Lord. And we're going to do that. We're going to remember Him. 
We're going to remember how desperately dependent we are upon him. And so our prayer tonight is going to put into practice what Pastor Jeff spoke of. It's going to be vigilant. It's going to be diligent. It's going to be dependent. It's going to be as if your life depended on it. Because I think some of us forget that if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't even be breathing. Remember me. And so our prayer tonight is to continue earnestly, vigilantly, with thanksgiving. Would you for a moment, would you just tell him how thankful you are for one thing in your life? You just list one thing to him and you let him know right now, Jesus. And I want you to let him know vigilantly and I want you to let him know earnestly. And I want you to let him know how grateful you are for that one thing in your life. attitude of gratitude can change a person's perspective. Now find one more thing to vigilantly and earnestly tell him thank you for. I want you to remember him. And I want you to remember him in prayer And I want you now to pray for Pastor Jeff. As Paul pleaded for prayer, pray for your pastors. Pray earnestly. Pray vigilantly. And now I want you to pray for that open door. God has a spiritual open door for you this year. Would you just ask him to open that door? And maybe it's that person at work that needs to hear about Jesus or your neighbor that you haven't spoken to that needs to hear about Jesus. Would you ask God and would you ask him every day this year, open a door for me. Let me be an ambassador of grace. Pray that prayer that you would be his vessel. You would be his ambassador. Pray it vigilantly and pray it earnestly. Ask him for a great and open door. Father, we live in L.A., one of the world's largest cities. In and of itself, it's a great open door. Use your people. Use me, I pray. Some of us say, well, I'm not an evangelist. This year, why don't you commit to the Lord that once a month you share the gospel don't you pray that prayer? Lord, give me a tongue to speak the gospel, to insert Christ into every conversation. Would you pray that prayer right now? That God would give you the boldness and the courage and the strength no longer to fear in this culture, but to be bold and season every conversation with the salt of Christ. Would you pray? Remember me, he said.
Some of us are in chains. The chains of cancer. Unemployment. The chains of depression or misery. You just can't see what tomorrow can be for you. And you've been asking God to release you from this chain, release you from this chain, but he wants to use the chain to build your faith. He wants to strengthen you. He says to you, fear not, I am with you. He told the disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. He has a good plan, a perfect plan, a pleasing plan for you. Would you ask the Lord right now to give you faith? to trust in him despite your own understanding, to lean on him and not your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him. Would you acknowledge him right now and remember him even though you're in your chain? Ask him for faith. Would you remember him? And right now, as Pastor Jeff exhorted us to remember those people, people are watching us from the outside. And would you lift up one name that you know that does not know the gospel? Would you lift their name up right now to the throne room of grace? Lift their name up. Say their name out loud. And now would you ask God to use you as his tool of righteousness? Remember me, he said. Each of you, when you came in, you received a communion uh, cup and bread. If you didn't, our ushers are here. We want to make sure that you got one. You can just simply raise your hand and they will be sure to walk down the aisle. Just lift your hands up and they'll be sure to make sure that you have one at home. If you're watching online, this is an opportunity for you to join us in communion. He said, remember me. The disciples had no idea that night what it meant. They had no idea that Jesus was about to die the most gruesome death. And as believers, we now look back and we see the cross and we're able to remember him. Maybe you need to remember his forgiveness, that he can even forgive you. Maybe you need to remember his love, that you're accepted, you belong. And he says to you, you're my son, you're my daughter. Maybe you need to remember that nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And would you ask the spirit right now to speak to you what you need to remember about him this year? Remember him. And on that night, the Bible says 
that he took the bread. And he said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. As long as you do it, I want you to remember me. Church, let's remember the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your broken body. That you bore our sin on the cross. On the same night, he took the cup. He said, This is the cup of a new covenant. This is my blood. And as long as you drink this, I want you to remember me. Church, would you remember the Lord, his blood that was shed for us on the cross? Father, we thank you for sending your son. We thank you that You've given us something to remember you by because we are so quick to forget. And Lord, as we walk into our new year, your word says that we should commit our plans to the Lord. Though a man plans his way, the Lord directs his steps. And so, Lord, as we have made a plan, if we've considered your way, I pray, Father, that we would insert you into everything we do, everything that we say. What a challenge that Pastor Jeff gave us to insert you into every conversation, the sweetness of Jesus. To look at that relationship that needs to get mended and insert the sweetness of Jesus. That neighbor or work a co-worker who's ornery and, and hard to deal with, that we would insert the sweetness of Jesus and we would see the miracle this year of revival. Change lives all over LA because of the great gospel and the open door that we've just prayed for. Lord, help us to remember you, to remember your broken body when we feel broken and know that we can cry out to you. To remember your blood that was shed for us when we feel condemned and unable to take another spiritual step. Protect us and deliver us from the enemy and help us to walk forward in power and strength. Lord, no longer hiding in the shadow of faith, but living in the boldness and the courage of the light of the gospel. Would you stand with me? Calvary Chapel, South Bay, we're entering into a new year. And this year we hope will be different than 2021. And we really hope it's different than 2020. But if the mountains are moved, 
and everything be removed. Yet I will praise the Lord. The one thing that we have that can never get taken from us because he promised it is Jesus Christ our Lord. And we're going to remember him now in worship. And when Pastor Jeff began this sermon, he said that it should be earnest and vigilant. Would you sing this song as a prayer and let it be a new song as if you've never sang before? A song to our Savior who goes with us into the new year and no matter what comes, we got Jesus. Amen? Let's worship Him. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.